look at that for a lovely lettuce. Uh, um, the country. And you chaps were a fat lot of good last night. Hey, look, it's Skippy. That's right, Skip. Deliciously crunchy new Roldo cookies. Yep, it's my last one. Save for the best mate a boy could ever have. Mm. Here you go, Mark. Thanks, mate. New Rollo cookies, golden toffee and crunchy biscuit and a milk chocolate cup. Marugata base, marugata base. G'day, Skip. What's that? Someone pushed the boys down the old mine shaft. Who could have done that? <clears throat> Got any dirty videos? Bet you haven't seen this. The Scotch Video Head Cleaner. It cleans up dirty pictures caused by dirty video recording heads. Look at that bone structure. It's very hard, almost cabbage-like. Hello there, you limp lettuces, chappy, your British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. 231 today. 231 is the score on the boards, Miss Dawes. It's marvellous to be here. It's a little bit of a dull autumnal day. But the shining leaves of gold and, and yellow and red are piercing through the gloom, just like this podcast is for you, the Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese listener. I hope you're having a lovely Sunday. I hope you've been relaxing. Have you been to church? Have you done your Hail Marys? Come on, at least half a dozen, maybe a dozen if you've been naughty boys and girls. But we're settling in for another edition of the podcast, so I hope you listen to the podcast last Friday. I mean, I should start really taking a roll call of people who attend the podcast every week. You know, there's some loyal listeners, there's some new listeners, but there's some shirkers amongst you. Shirkers who occasionally attend, and then all of a sudden we don't see you for weeks on end. Well, we're going to be starting to take a roll call, and you'll be in attendance every week I tell yous. Anyway, I hope you're having a marvellous day, as I am, just easing into uh, matins today, ready to do my sermon for you, the lovely people. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's rather nice here, sitting here in my, uh, my studio upon high. Yes, it's a completely padded studio. Uh, best alpaca fur, as I've mentioned before. It's wrapped around the microphone, and I'm enclosed in a sarcophagus of alpaca fur, just to give you the best resonance for this uh, rather handsome voice. The voice is much more handsome than the visage. Let me tell you that. It, it, much more handsome indeed. You don't want to. Uh, don't you don't want to see this first thing in the morning. This is like a Halloween shocker. It's a shocker, mate. Skippy, it's a shocker. Anyway. Oh dear me, I'm just, I haven't done my vocal exercises this morning, and so I'm sort of, I'm almost like Mr. Mr. Ed with a bit of peanut butter in his palate there. I'm a hater, So yeah, I try to be Blakey from On The Buses when I'm doing my elocution. Oh yeah, make my day that will, make my bloody day that will. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's what I try to do with my vocal exercises, it's Blakey from... No, that's more Boise, isn't it? Well, there we go. I'm perfectly the teeth are teeth are the teeth are working. The tongue is uh, you know is moving in the correct fashion. I think we're ready to start uh, the podcast. And uh, I hope you limp lezzers out there. 
There's a lot of lettuces around, and I know that uh, Elizabeth Truss, our dear Prime Minister of the UK, uh, there's basically a picture of her, a portrait of her, and there's also a lettuce, a decaying lettuce, and they think that this limp, decaying lettuce will last longer than our dear Prime Minister. We shall see. Just a recap from Friday's edition. Oh, there's a pigeon like flying towards me. It was almost like Hitchcocking the bird. So the new broadcasting centre here at Chappie Towers, uh, the, uh, the the CTT, um, is, is I can see all sorts of things like ginger pussies. Um, I could see uh, a pigeon like was approaching me. I didn't need 3D glasses on and I thought it was going to crash into the window and cause all sorts of uh, commotion. But uh, I, I give you occasionally live commentary of things going around Chappie Towers. It's very, very spontaneous. So out of my window, I can see squirrels aplenty diving into skips here. I just saw a, a bird dive into a beautiful, it's almost like a fur-like, uh, is it a Norwegian spruce? It can't be, but it looks a little, it's a Christmas tree anyway. And then uh, I can see across yonder where the maintenance guys are uh, having a little breakfast before they go and uh, repair and do everything they need on the golf course. I can see dog walkers walking along all shapes and sizes, some a little bit flumpy, some a little bit fitter, but always cyclists, selfish cyclists who never get to the side when there's dog walkers there. I think there it could be a civil war. It could be the Roundheads versus the Cavaliers, cyclists versus dog walkers coming to a uh, podcast near you very, very soon. The other day, we talked about how I can't sleep on the left side of the bed. I have to sleep on the right. Well, I tried to sleep on the right the other day. And what happened? Well, uh, insomnia, uh, narcolepsy, all of the above, really. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't particularly uh, pleasant. Uh, Reverend Richard Coles, uh, a great raconteur, formerly a priest, but not any longer. He has done away with the breakfast sausage. So we talked about that. I never really delved into can't find my turmeric, but I did eventually find it. It was uh, tucked in with the toilet rolls. It was uh, it was positioned so the glass wouldn't break. It was squeezed into a toilet roll. Um, and uh, that's where I found my turmeric. So it was going to be a feature in the show, but in the end, it was found wedged in a toilet roll. Uh, white chocolate bread pudding. It's this time of year around October time, you want a lovely, lovely, substantial, decadent dessert. And that's the one we went to. We talked about it again. Um, also, my dear beloved Corgi outrun me. It was the race of the short-legged barrels. Me versus the Corgi. The Corgi won. But uh, luckily, eventually, with my daughter Victoria's uh, presence and state of mind, she called the Corgi uh, Maggie and Maggie ran up the stairs and luckily she didn't run off uh, to her own life on her own an independent corgi that would have been I'm trying to give everybody a little bit of a snapshot into my uh, fairly simple life it's almost the life of a Benedictine monk without the praying uh, all the Bene all the Benedictine the cure to be honest I'm, I'm almost teetotal these days but I do like to wear a sackcloth uh, with a rather tight rope around my waist that uh, as I feel like I need punishment, I tighten, like a belt that's too tight, but it goes around the waist here, and the uh, sackcloth potato sack is very chafing, 
very, very chafing. So I always do live my life as the aforementioned Benedictine monk. On the other side of something that's certainly not pious or monk-like, I put a, a lovely little Instagram clip of me stirring a mac and cheese last weekend, and the first person to like it, uh, their, their, um, their ID on Instagram was watch me bonk. So I'm stirring around a lovely creamy mac and cheese, and there's somebody who liked it, watch me bonk. Thanks very much indeed. That really, you know, a family-related show, family-related Instagram, and that's what you do. We talked about making a cough lozenge. It's that time of year where we have to keep the vocal cords nice and lubricated, and uh, you can make your own cough lozenges. We talked about that the other day, and the marijuana is following me. Yes, it's following me from one apartment to the next. I went into my laundry room, and as I fold all my pantaloons, you can get high folding your pantaloons now here at Chappie Towers because whoever's on the other side, maybe they're smoking in their own laundry room and it's seeping through. But it's seeping through into my pantaloons and I'm getting high whilst doing the folding. I was debating as we left old Chappie Towers for the last time the other day, a single tear trickled down my face and I thought, you know what? I'm moving on up, literally up several floors to the new Chappie Towers where I can see all the weather blowing in from the mountains. It's absolutely perfect. And uh, I got an alert saying that I'm, we're having a deep freeze tonight. Now, it's not me emptying my freezer. Because why would I do that? I have it perfectly stacked up for once. Uh, almost uh, perfect Jenga blocks in there. Blocks of meat, blocks of vegetables. A nice firm sort of uh, frozen pizza base there. It, it couldn't get any better, really. Uh, but it's freezing tonight. Um, but anyway, so I was thinking, as I left old Chappie Towers, should I leave my old portrait? Now, people are saying, well, what is this portrait? Is it you in full military regalia, dressed as a Grenadier Guard, with George Border Collie, also with Grenadier Guard uh, attire, with medals? No, 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 in a monocle. I mean, we both would be wearing monocles in my ideal uh, owner, owner border collie uh, puppy uh, look. Yeah, we'd all both be wearing monocles and full bearskin uh, grenadier guard hats. I think that'd be absolutely perfect and marvellous, wouldn't you think? But I think, no, this is a portrait that was painted of me in 2002 from an ex-girlfriend who I dated for a number of months, and she was a painter, an art teacher. And she painted this picture... And when I saw it, before we broke up, it was a wondrous piece of art, very light, very shiny. And then she made it a little dark after she broke up and dropped it off. And uh, it's a little bit of a haunting. It's a sort of picture where the eyes move. You know, the eyes move uh, at a haunted house, maybe in Scooby-Doo, and the eyes are moving. That's how creepy the picture is. It's almost, it's almost like that, you know, where somebody appears from behind the arras and, uh, you know, it comes and haunts you. This picture is very haunting. So I thought I, I might leave that in Chappie Towers. I might leave that in Chappie Towers. I know, I know my, my lovely girlfriend wanted to dump it in the skip. But nobody's ever liked this. No exes. No wives. Wife. Wives. Wife. Wife. Has ever liked this, uh, this painting. They never liked it. Awful. But I thought I might leave it in Chappie Towers to haunt the next residents of the old Chappie Towers. You know, just there, my eyes peering there. I'm always watching them closely. 
watching that they're cleaning, cleaning their dishes, they're using bleach, spruce and caboose it all the time. But uh, how about that? You walk in there, and there's a and there's an image, almost like a Hans Holbein, of your dear host Chappy, overlooking, very very dark, all the darkest colours, like a storm is about to roll in. We also call PooFreeParks.com. And I don't think I can say that without my microphone popping. Poo3parks.com. Well, if I say it quieter rather than poo3park, yeah, then you get the pop, don't you? you don't. I need a popping thing, don't I? I need to r- wrap the alpaca fur a little bit more tightly around. But we call poo3parks.com just to let them know that the bags had run out. Now, these bags are almost indestructible. I mean, it's like a cockroach in a, in a nuclear bomb. Um, they're almost indestructible, but uh, I have a slightly sharper fingernail. They say, well, perchance, Chappie, are you starting to play the guitar and you're growing your fingernail out? No, I just haven't clipped it. You know, I haven't clipped it yet. Um, but uh, so it, it almost penetrated the back. But I called them. It took me, you know, three changes of line. They, they transferred me three times. And I eventually got to the right person who's going to stock up on the poofery bags that you text them or you can call them to, I mean, this is just American efficiency at its best. People always say, well, why don't you go back to the UK? Well, they don't have this, where you can text or dial a line and somebody comes along and restocks the poop bags for the dogs. It is beautiful American efficiency. Anyway, so this is one of the funniest things I've seen in the week. We'll have it through the show. I think it almost deserves some sort of drum roll beforehand let's get a drum roll queued up here I hope it's not going to be disappointing now I mean I'm sort of thinking maybe I should introduce a drum roll to every area of my life here hello my darling I'm ready for you I bought some chocolates and wait for it and then the drum roll goes off or here is my best lasagna you have ever made it's the best in the world and then you have the drum roll and you bring it in and then you realize it's a little bit soupy. You should make a t-shirt of <laughs> that. He's just a little bit soupy. <laughs> All right. Anyway. In 2015, a Manchester man started graffitiing giant penises onto potholes so that the council would clear them up faster. He was nicknamed Wanksy. We all know that goats eat everything, but we didn't know that they sing. A goat stole the show during a cathedral's animal blessing service by singing along to the organ music. Two-year-old Pablo was brilliant. Well, bar is a sheep. I mean, goats don't. Goats sort of neigh, don't they? Or do they bar? I don't know. Performance. So the performance at Worcester Cathedral uh, annual event has made him a social media star. His vocals led to fits of giggles by the staff at Atwell Farm near Redditch and the cathedral members. I think when he was bleating... It was all echoing back to him. He was having a lovely time, the farm staff said. Well, hopefully that they, you know, he wasn't eating their best Sunday frock. The video of Pablo and his alpaca friends, Minstrel and Barnaby. So do goats and alpacas get along? Are they like peas and carrots? Oh, we like peas and carrots. We like peas and carrots. Oh, by the way, the other day when I was calling up the uh, the poop people, poopfreebags.com, I put on the worst American accent. I mean, I went from Valley Girl to Deep South to New York. I mean, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. 
And here, back to Pablo. Pablo and his alpaca friends, Minstrel and Barnaby, were shared by the cathedral on TikTok and has 1.6 million views and 240,000 likes. The service was filmed by the BBC's Songs of Praise programme, but it is not clear whether Pablo's exploits have made the final edit. He sung the house down. Farm worker Oliver Arundel said the cathedral asked him to bring along some animals for the service, so we picked our best animals as best we could, ones that could be walked and behave if we took them along. We'll never take a corgi. It turns out they weed and pooed everywhere and basically sung the house down. Well, at least, uh, well, hopefully, at least the uh, unison was in uh, in pitch, uh, with all the smell of like animal urine and feces around. If you've heard the video, all the staff were turning around, bits and giggling. It's one of those things where somebody makes a joke or something in an inappropriate situation. I think the same happened at my uh, my great uncle, great great uncle Francis's funeral, where everybody started laughing. They couldn't stop themselves. I don't know if it was like um, I, I don't know was it like in a in a ram with the uh, Ayatollah when they dropped his coffin. I don't know if you remember that the Ayatollah Khomeini, the first Ayatollah Khomeini, because there's another Ayatollah Khomeini, isn't it? Um, the, the, the coffin was dropped. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think it, nobody laughed, obviously, because they were probably being executed or. Or, uh, or or worse, who knows? Um, but anyway, so the alpaca and the goat, they said it was amazing how popular videos being led to Pablo getting extra attention at the farm. We've had people turn up and say, where's Pabs? He's definitely one of the most vocal farm animals. Sophie Hicks, who's in charge of the alpacas at the service, said they struggled to keep a straight face. Is this the people who own the alpacas or the alpacas themselves? Everybody was laughing, even the alpacas. Vin, uh, Vice Dean Canon Stephen Edwards said they're enjoying welcoming the animals back and Pablo will be welcomed back next year. Pablo's antics were amused by so many people worldwide. We're really pleased to be able to share the joy of our annual service brings to so many people. I think it was broadcast. It'll be broadcast on November the 20th on the, uh, on the BBC. I mean, I wonder if you could bring them back and, and see how they do with bell ringing. I mean, how would an alpaca or a goat, if you've got a cloven hoof, is it make it easier to do bell ringing or harder? I mean, you could put the, like the rope between the cloven hoof and and uh, I imagine it might work quite well. Anyway, let's see if we can hear the, uh, the goat Pablo uh, singing sensation, Pablo the goat. Yeah, it's hardly Alan Jones, is it? So more RateMyPlate.com or RateMyPlate on Twitter. So somebody, Kai introduced to everybody the Yorkshire pudding pizza. So it's a Yorkshire pudding filled with cheese with pepperoni and it's sliced like a pizza. And this is some of the, uh, these are some of the responses on Twitter. Not sure I feel about this, but anything with melted cheese is positive in my world. This is the pizza my Indian mother used to make. We don't need Pizza Hut, beta. I can make it better at home. I'm so torn by this abomination, I don't know what to call it. Yeah, it's one of those things that at first instance you reject them. Well, after I can see myself scoffing the whole lot during a drunken night out. This is the Yorkshire pudding pizza. Glad there's only four slices. I can never manage to eat six, six to eight slices of it. I mean, everybody's really torn here. Somebody says it looks like absolute shite. Like pizzas don't look boring in general, but I reckon they wouldn't talk this way out of being eaten. I mean, that's the whole thing. It doesn't look particularly great. 
but you've got the puffiness and egginess of the Yorkshire pudding, and then you've got the cheesiness. It's a Yorkshire pudding pizza. Till you lift it, it falls into a pile of grease and cheese. The bottom is so soggy, it wouldn't hold up at all. One word, cholesterol. This is nine out of 10 for a guilty pleasure food. I'm knocking off a point for the nasty looking pepperoni. Oh, you don't want a nasty looking pepperoni, do you? Uh, um, Ukrainians are fearing that Russian President Vladimir Putin may unleash a nuke. They've organised another Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Party, a wild sex party, in the event the warmonger threat becomes a reality. More than 15,000 people signed up for the orgy on Shekhaneshka, a mass romp set up on a telegram group in the event of Putin launching a nuclear blast. The would-be participants in the carnal extravaganza on a hill outside the capital Kiev have Kiev have been instructed to adorn their hands, I thought adorn their heads, with stripes to specify what activity they're interested in, according to the news outlet. Those into um yeah <laughs> I don't know how much of this I can read. I guess I, I put an explicit thing. Those into um the rump, so to speak, were told to draw three stripes, while revelers into um, the oral stage display four stripes. It's the opposite of despair. Even in the worst-case scenario, people will look for something. This is the mega-optimism of Ukrainians, one woman reportedly told Radio Free Europe about the orgy. It's an attempt to show that more they try to scare us, the more will transform us into something else. I mean, the, the one thing is, I suppose, I mean, in the event of, you know, the end of the world, probably have to stock up on, you know, butter-flavoured shortening or, I mean, there may, may not be any KY around. So would you go to the shortening or maybe a good handful of lard? So <laughs> similar groups have popped up. Yes, but hopefully not, they're not popping up everywhere. But what happens if you have five stripes? God knows what that would tell you. So I like having the window open. But I've noticed that somebody the other day was having a rave at nine o'clock in the morning. And uh, it was a, a distinct sort of music being played. I think it was in, Indian, possibly Punjabi, playing. And uh, I, I just want to see... If I could just pull this up here, just, just hold on a second, hold on a second. Okay, here we go. So, yeah, anyway. We'll turn this right down here, see if we can hear this. Uh, it's somebody the other day playing music. I don't know if you heard that, dude. So, it was it was it was from my window, so I'm not too sure if if you could hear that or not. But I could shazam the song from the window, and now live 
on the Butler Emporium musical edition on the podcast where it's uh, wonderful music scattered with my inane ramblings. But if you're listening to the Butler Emporium musical edition, you can now listen, listen live, and listen to your heart's content to Judai from Jeanette, Pritram and Cameron Ahmed on your podcast. So you know that you have uh, noisy neighbors, not nosy neighbors, but noisy neighbors, if you can shazam the music they're playing during their rave. Results of a recent research into what single over 50s want in a partner confirmed a few things about this midlife singleton already know. Some 86% of those surveyed, sounds like, sounds like Les Dennis, doesn't it? Our survey says uh, 52% of you need somebody who can make a uh, Yorkshire pudding pizza. So 86% of those surveyed by the dating website our time said they would rather be single than have somebody who wasn't right. You can don't come this far and gone through messy, painful breakups, only ending up settling with somebody you secretly find irritating. That's boring, or what's the point of it? By this age, middle age, you've learned to live on your own, conquered your fear of going to events solo, and become an undiluted version of yourself. You might want to be in a relationship, but don't need to be, which fosters a level of fussiness, I suppose. There's such a variety of factors appearing on people's wishing dating wish lists, ranging from being well-read to caring about the planet. How about if you read by just dragging your finger along the page? Is that allowed? Can you still do that? And also if you tie your laces with bunny ears, is that allowed? You to care about the planet, apparently. Being good at DIY. I'm not doing very well on this list here, I don't think. What, what you can't put up with and what hasn't worked for you in the past. The flip side is becoming so rigid you're no longer open to giving anybody a proper chance. Perhaps 21% of the people who cite being with somebody who likes a lion at the weekend could be incredibly happy with an early bird if that early riser sneaks out of bed, goes about their morning, and then brings you a cup of tea. The list makes everybody look inwards, of course, and the question is my must-haves and relationships non-negotiables. I'm never really going to gel with anyone who thinks Liz, Liz Truss is a good idea, perchance, with somebody who's lazy who I don't find attractive. All of this is quite vague. It's perhaps a good idea to whip out, not whip it out on a date, but whip out, whip out a checklist. Only as a romantic, it sort of feels kind of sad uh, whipping out a checklist on a date. Love to meet somebody creative, well-dressed, only to find out settling down with a solicitor who wears sandals or Crocs. Not a sandal wearer. It needs to be bold and underlined. I'd be lying if I said it didn't relate to some of the practical aspects. 46% of people said they wanted to be with somebody who pays their way. Wanted to be somebody who pays their way feels reasonable and not materialistic. It intimates that you're, uh, you're working hard to look after yourself and you're dependent. 37% of people said they don't want somebody with too much emotional baggage. I mean, that, how, you know, how do you derive that? that? That's after a couple of dates before you, uh, before you figure that out. Another big hitter, according to the members, well, not their members, but our time, was being a considerate lover. 45% of people surveyed thought it was intrinsic to become considered a catch. I called my father at work, hello, Bill, do you think you're a considerate lover? I mean, how many, how many check marks are you going to have in your back during the Ukrainian nuclear apocalypse? I mean, yeah. Do you have your own teeth or, you know, iterations of maybe 
maybe alpaca's teeth or goat's teeth. I mean, I imagine if you have goat's teeth, they could probably chew through aluminium or maybe a steel base. I mean, it could be absolutely perfect, couldn't it? And also helping with the housework. So strong goat's teeth and being able to help with the housework. Not surprisingly, reassuringly, 80% of those questioned believe there's no more important aspiration than finding love, while 70% it is impossible to love somebody else if you've fail to love yourself well not a that's not a problem here i don't think perhaps the best news of all 59 percent of people believe that many people got more attractive as they got older i have no gray hair yet or few wrinkles perhaps then youth is wasted on the young it may not follow that age is wasted on the old you may have stood for morals and dignity and restraint but it appears that Queen Victoria was not above engaging in 19th century's answer to drunk texting. A cache of letters found in the home of the Isle of Wight antique dealer has shown that Victoria would deploy the abbreviations in a similar style to mobile phone texts that we have today. The lowercase Q would stand for Queen, while WH meant which. She appears to have written them while a little worse for wear, and the handwriting was so inscrutable that a professional graphologist had no idea how to decipher it. A little bit like my doctor's handwriting. Letters written in her final years are notoriously challenging to read, said the paper's specialist Jim Spencer. The graphologist confirmed it to be Queen Victoria and managed to transcribe most of it. They suggest she may have been a little drunk when she penned it due to the way that the words drift off and the fact that there were so large about three words to a line. The subject matter of the letters also suggested a less than sober state of mind. The Q wishes T know the height of the gypsy's male donkey. It is known that Victoria was partial to a beer, though her favourite drink was uh, a classic cocktail of Scotch whisky mixed with claret. Never heard of that before. The letters are forming a part of a sale by Hanson Auctioneers and their... I wonder if the Hanson Auctioneers at Mbop... Mbop... You know, they... they Chief among the others lots were four menu cards which demonstrate Victoria's partiality for Indian cuisine, which in this instance was the serving of chicken curry with rice expected to fetch 1500 I mean, curries aren't even that expensive along Brick Lane. There's also a striking array of royal clothing. The bloomers, which belong to Queen, Queen Victoria's oldest child, Beatrice, are to be sold while a nighty belonging to the Queen herself is also going under the hammer. The night garment is not an inconsiderable 51 inches in width and is monogrammed with VR. Roast potato season, everybody. Um, although my parents the other day found an ancient tuba, an ancient root of uh, potatoes that, uh, well, actually my father had tossed a, uh, a root of potatoes into the field and they started to grow. You can't stop those potatoes from growing. They're like bunny rabbits around other bunny rabbits of a voracious appetite for growing and you know, a lot of fertility uh, a lot of fertility in that field anyway so he rediscovered this old root and on it were some beautiful new potatoes little potatoes you can pop one in the mouth at the time lovely fried up with some bacon 
one of his absolute favorite meals, bacon and new potatoes. And then having this, having the creme de la creme in the middle of October, what a surprise. Quelle surprise. Anyway, my favorite though, it's roast potatoes season. Forget the new potatoes here. In the end, isn't a roast all about the roast potatoes? While we all love a roast, we reckon that deep down we all have a secret shared belief that the best bit of any roast is a roast potato. Of course, there's the majesties of the tender, juicy, aromatic chicken with lovely brown skin. Of course, a big flavored gravy makes a difference. But no, no matter how delicious everything else is, if the roasties aren't quite up there, we're not satisfied. There's probably one part of the reason that Heston Blumenthal gets a little bit obsessed about roast potatoes and the texture with the crispy and crunchy on the outside, soft and fluffy on the inside. So anyway, this is Heston's recipe. Two kilograms of Maurice Piper potatoes, salt, vegetable oil for roasting, uh, thyme sprigs, six cloves of garlic. The method, number one, peel the potatoes, cut them evenly into large chunks, immerse them in a bowl of cold water to prepare them to prevent them from browning. Rinse the potatoes in a colander under cold water until the water runs clear to remove the starch. Fill a pan with lightly salted water and add the potatoes. Bring to the boil and then reduce the heat to the simmer and cook for 25 minutes until tender. Drain them into a colander. I've recently discovered a colander. My love brought me a colander for a year. I burnt my fingers but I had no colander. Set on a large wire rack, allow to cool. In the meantime, preheat the oven to 180 degrees, 200 degrees Celsius, non-fan. Select a large roasting tray, I think that's over 400 Fahrenheit, big enough to take the potatoes and spread out in a single layer. Add enough oil or melted fat to the roasting tray to create a shallow layer five millimeters deep. Lay out the potatoes carefully in the roasting tray including the smaller broken up pieces. They make delicious ultra crispy bits. And we all love the ultra crispy bits, don't we? Turn the potatoes a little and roast them for an additional 20 minutes. So you've got 40 minutes here, lightly golden on each side. Turn the potatoes once more, especially if the size look that they need a little more time. I like to bash them a little bit. Well, bash the potatoes, bash them, baby. Scatter over the time and use the back of the knife to smash the cloves of garlic. Add these to the tray and return to the oven for another 20 minutes. The potatoes will be golden and crispy. Season the roast potatoes with salt and serve immediately to retain their crispiness. Forget potato chips. This is what you need to be served at pubs. And they used to serve them at pubs. They used to have roasties at the bar on a Sunday. There's a new game that I'm observing from the top of Chappie Towers in my crow's nest in my tower of power so to speak and uh, it's fantastic because I've got a perfect view of the skip where all the trash is sent now people are thinking that Chappie you say that you're you have panoramic views across the mountains well I have you know I have that I also have a lovely view of the golf course and the, the maintenance chaps uh, going about their way uh, on the golf course but I have a perfect view of the skip as well and I've noticed that a lot of people mainly men, and I'm not sort of gender typing or gender stereotyping or anything along those lines, but a lot of men are taking their dogs out, they're collecting the refuge. I know we've been a doggy poo-poo refuge uh, laden couple of shows recently. But anyway, so they take the bags, nicely knotted, good weight to them most of the time, a lot of larger dogs around here. 
and um, instead of going around and putting the trash into the trash can adjacent to some of the Chavy Tower buildings here, they, they sort of toss it, they flick the poop bag into the air, uh, across the wall, you know, and it's a high enough wall, into the skip below. And most of them are quite talented at it, I have to say. They're, get, they're getting a hole in one, they're getting the uh, basketball through the hoop, so to speak. Uh, is quite impressive, and and uh, most guys do this. Now I'm wondering if the guys are talking, saying, "Have you played this fantastic new game? It's a sort of a mixture of batonk uh, and uh, basketball. It's sort of hoops, isn't it? In a way." But no, I, I I don't think these guys are talking amongst each other. So they're deciding to uh, toss these bags into the skip here, and uh, it's, from what I've seen so far in the last week or so, five out of five. Very good effort. But I think we need to come up with a name for it. So, you know, it's a little bit like basketball, a little bit like hoops, but I I think we need to call it poops. The James Bond documentary on Amazon about the music is phenomenal. I highly recommend watching it. It's very, very good indeed. But something that I never knew before was very, very interesting. Michael Caine, the esteemed actor, 60s, 70s, the present day, and the musical composer John Barry, who passed away fairly recently, but he composed so many themes through the 60s into the 80s and beyond. The veteran, veteran actor reveals and revealed to Classic FM and the Bond documentary that composer John Barry, with whom he shared a house, so they shared a house in the swinging 60s in swinging London. It was almost Austin Powers' Mrs. Kensington. Uh, but he's kept up all night working on the legendary Bond song with John Barry, not Michael Caine. Not a lot of people know that. Uh, Michael Caine was the first person ever to hear the iconic song Goldfinger in 1964. The veteran British actor reveals that the composer John Barry kept him awake one night as he worked on the theme for the 1964 movie. Barry is putting Caine up for six weeks when between leases on his lodgings. So Michael said that he was grumbling, trying to sleep while Barry sat composing at the piano downstairs. I came down in the morning and he was sitting there absolutely exhausted. I've got this tune for the Bond film. What do you think of it? And he played golf in it. I said, it's fantastic. The vinyl single of the song performed by Shirley Bassey went on to sell more than a million copies in the United States and also reached number one in Japan and top 10 in many European countries. But Michael Caine and John Barry lived together for a short time in the swing 60s. Now, wouldn't you would love to have been a fly on the wall in that apartment? Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. So from a misty, murky, a sort of dangle terminal start, it's absolutely perfect here now. And I can see the leaves almost translucent with the golds and reds, as I mentioned earlier. It really is a lovely scene. I hope you had a lovely weekend. And I know this uh, podcast has been published a little bit later uh, in the last few weeks. I know Tuesday uh, and then um, later on Sunday, uh, today's podcast. So I do apologize for that. I know uh, you probably can't set your watch by me, but I'm pretty regular. That's even without the castor oil. If you like the podcast, like and subscribe where you can. Uh, you can uh, li- you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Slacker Breaker. You can listen on Audible. You can listen on Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. As those poop bags fly through the air into the skip when they're playing this new game of poops, these are my neighbours here at Chappie Towers, 
as it, as it whistles through the air, you can sometimes hear the sound of Keith Carmen charcoal effigies emanating of the pressure of the poop bag and the resistance against the air. And you can hear it there. I mean, you can hear it absolutely everywhere. We do have a Butler and Poor musical edition of the playlist. I mentioned it earlier, where I can uh, stick my phone out the window and I can shazam my neighbor's Punjabi rave across the ways. But today, we have such delights on the musical and pouring Butler playlist. A little bit of Robbie Williams. Uh, We have uh, also uh, Talking to the Animals. We have some Shirley Bassey, Goldfinger. This old heart of mine. Uh, It really is a a sort of uh, older compendium this week. And uh, I just finished watching uh, Phantom of the Open with Mark Rylance, where an imposter... Uh, got into the British Open. He sent a, he sent in a, a, a registry form uh, and filled it all out. And by accident, he was allowed into the Open, and he had never played a game of golf in his life. This is a very very sweet uh, tale uh, about uh, uh, about Morris Fitchcroft, and it is really really good. I highly recommend it. But the soundtrack is absolutely amazing. So uh, slipping some of those tracks onto the Butler Emporium playlist this week. Anyway, uh, that's almost it for me. But coming up next, we do have an autumnal poem for you. This is an absolute classic William Shakespeare Sonnet 73. That time of year thou mayst in me behold When yellow leaves or none or few do hang Upon the boughs which shake against the cold Bear ruined choirs where late the sweet birds sang In me thou seest the twilight of such a day After the sunset fadeth in the west which by and by black night doth take away. Death's second self, the seals are all in rest. In me thou seest the glowing of such a fire, that on the ashes of his youth doth lie, as the deathbed wherein it must expire. Consumed by which it was nourished by, this is thou perceivest, which makes the love more strong. To love that will, which thou must leave ere long. So survived another edition of the podcast, even despite having an Indian buffet at lunchtime and finishing the latter part of the podcast after that. I'm uh, in fine feckle, to say the least. Anyway, hope you have a marvellous week. I will be back next week for another couple of editions of the podcast. There are many, many episodes of the podcast to listen to. Uh, over 230 episodes of the podcast. If you if you get sort of withdrawal symptoms during the week, then uh, pop me on. I'm sure to give you a little bit of a chuckle and make you feel darn sight better about yourself after listening to this nonsense. Anyway, until next time. Cheerio. Look at that for a lovely lettuce. Uh, um, Jeremy. Country. And you chaps were a fat lot of good last night. It's very hard. Almost cabbage-like.